I and other computer scientists have studied the kinds of electronic voting machines that we use in the United States, and we found that every one of them is susceptible to hacking. Fantastic! Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Great news. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Yep. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck From in Pacifica the Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM, people-powered radio in L.A., up in Oregon on 91.7 FM, KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM, Queso in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 FM, WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 FM, KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM, in Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM, WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We're also heard streaming coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets, the hackable internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow uh, trying to alert the world, hoping you will pay attention. But I guess I can just keep on hoping, can't I? Uh, welcome to the Bradcast. Coming up, a lawsuit has now been filed in Georgia in hopes of stopping the use of the 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems that Georgians will be forced to use in the upcoming much-watched, very expensive U.S. House special election in Georgia's 6th Congressional District on June 20. I will be joined by the woman, I should add the Republican woman, who is one of the plaintiffs filing the lawsuit to get rid of those touchscreen voting systems and allow all voters to vote on hand-marked paper ballots on June 20th and hopefully see them hand-counted publicly by actual human beings. I know that sounds crazy, but we will talk to uh, the woman filing that lawsuit. And uh, the news over the past 24 hours underscores yet again. Uh, you know, I describe myself there as a swell fellow, says me. I should have said uh, I should have described myself as Cassandra because I have been trying to sound the alarm about these concerns, these concerns that have come out over the past 24 hours that underscore these concerns in Georgia. All right. So uh, not unrelated to all of that. Let's start here. On Election Day last year, November 8, 2016, we reported on this show on some of the problems that were being reported at polling places around the country, including this item from USA Today. Quote, the most widespread problem occurred in Durham, North Carolina, where electronic poll books used to check voter registrations were down. Voters were still able to vote using paper backup copies 
of those electronic poll books. And as of noon, voters were able to check in and vote, though the process appeared to be taking longer than it would have had the electronic poll books been available. The electronic poll books used in North Carolina in that uh, in the county of Durham are are made by a Florida-based firm called VR Systems. They also make electronic poll books and, and voter registration systems that are used in at least eight states, including Florida, Virginia, New York, Illinois, Indiana, California, North Carolina, and West Virginia. According to a 2014 document from the company's website, VR Systems operates in 62 of Florida's 67 counties, for example, and some 104 jurisdictions nationwide. That was as of 2014. They're probably in more jurisdictions by now. They're a large company. They have merged with several other uh, election vendors over the years, and their systems are integrated into the voting systems of other counties all over the country. They are firmly embedded into the electronic vote. Even though they focus on voter registration, they are firmly embedded into the electronic voting tabulation and voter registration process and infrastructure in this country. So whatever happened on Election Day in Durham, North Carolina, has largely been uh, forgotten. Partisans have moved on to whatever they must do to try and win the next election, which will be run, by the way, on the very same equipment that failed in the past, that failed on November 8, 2016 in Durham, and uh, voting systems that were never overseeable by the public in the first place. Which brings us to the big story I mentioned, by, uh, released by The Intercept on Monday afternoon that you've probably heard about, but that I want to walk through uh, to help you understand, because some of this is, is very confusing, Desi Doyen, and I don't know if you've had the chance to run through this long article. It's like a long six-page article. I have not had article. a chance to finish it yet. But there are very serious concerns presented by it. Some people um, are, are misinterpreting those concerns. Other people, I think, are under uh, playing the concerns themselves. And just by way of preview, um, this story is a much larger concern than simply Russia. I need to put this up front. Uh, we, you know, we've been trying to point out here on the Bradcast and at Bradblog.com for years that the concerns about our voting systems, our voter registration systems, do not have any one particular enemy. You don't like Russia? Fine. Blame Russia. You don't like Canada, fine, blame Canada. You don't like Republicans, blame them. You don't like Democrats, blame them. The point is, these systems are vulnerable in every way, shape, and form, and yet we run uh, supposedly the world's greatest democracy, which is uh, laughable at this point, on these very systems. So I've been trying to point that out here on the Bradcast and at bradblog.com for years, so uh, please listen closely today. Take notes if you need to. But we'll start with this uh, with this intercept uh, article from uh, Matthew Cole, Richard Esposito, Sam Biddle, and Ryan Grimm. Russian military intelligence, they report, executed a cyber attack on at least one U.S. voting so software supplier, and sent spear phishing emails to more than 100 local election officials just days before last November's presidential election, according to a highly classified intelligence report that was obtained by the Intercept. The top-secret National Security Agency document was provided anonymously to The Intercept and independently authenticated. It analyzes intelligence very recently acquired by the NSA 
about what is described as a months-long Russian intelligence cyber effort against elements of the U.S. election and voting infrastructure. The report is dated May 5, 2017, so just about one month ago. And it's an analysis of existing uh, intelligence gathered by the NSA. The document, they note, does not show the underlying raw intelligence on which the analysis is based. And a U.S. intelligence officer um, who declined to be identified cautioned the intercept against drawing too big a conclusion from the document because they said a single analysis is not necessarily definitive. All right. The report, this analysis uh, states uh, in its summary statement that it was Russian military intelligence, specifically the Russian General Staff Main Intelligence Directorate, otherwise known as the GRU, that conducted cyber attacks that are described in this document. The NSA summary judgment is sharply at odds, however, with Russian President Vladimir Putin, who uh, issued a denial last week that Russia had interfered in foreign elections, saying, quote, we never engaged in that on a state level and have no intention of doing so. The NSA report, by contrast, displays no doubt about the cyber assault uh, being carried out by the GRU. Now, the NSA analysis does not draw any uh, conclusions about whether the interference had any effect on the election's outcome last year and concedes that much still remains unknown about the extent of the hackers' accomplishments. The report adds new detail to the picture that emerged from an unclassified intelligence assessment uh, released in January about Russian uh, election meddling, allegedly, by the Obama administration in January. That January assessment presented the U.S. intelligence community's conclusions, but omitted many specifics, including the actual evidence of how any of this was done, if in fact it was done. Uh, as the U.S. intelligence community clearly believes. According to the Department of Homeland Security, uh, that assessment report reassuringly uh, said that the types of systems we observed Russian actors targeting or compromising are not involved in vote tallying. And this is something that they have been saying all along. Oh, uh, there was uh, meddling in the election, but none of the vote tallies were affected. The question being, of course, how do they know? How do they know unless they count the actual paper ballots, where those paper ballots exist? And as you recall, last year we covered in great detail the attempt to uh, hand count paper ballots in three different states, in Wisconsin, in Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, they use mostly 100% unverifiable voting systems uh, that uh, Jill Stein, the Green Party presidential candidate who filed for this hand count, uh, she had wanted to have a forensic investigation of those systems to make sure that there was no meddling by anybody. But she was blocked. Uh, Democrats did not support her effort. Republicans literally went to court to keep her from having access to the paper ballots in those three states and to keep her from having access to the touchscreen voting systems across the state of Pennsylvania. Now, uh, the NSA has learned, according to this document uh, that was leaked to The Intercept, that Russian government hackers were part of a team with a cyber espionage mandate specifically directed at U.S. and foreign elections. 
focused on parts of the system directly connected to the voter registration process, including a private sector manufacturer of devices that maintain and verify the voter rolls in a whole bunch of states. Some of that company's devices are advertised as having wireless Internet and Bluetooth connectivity, which could have provided an ideal staging point for further malicious actions, according to this document. Now, the description of systems uh, used at this voter registration company identified by The Intercept in the article to be VR systems is likely true. Uh, that these uh, registration systems have wireless Internet uh, connectivity, Bluetooth and so forth. Uh, and that same thing is also true about the voting systems themselves. So if you're concerned about this report and the possibility that electronic poll books are vulnerable to malicious hackers, you should also be concerned about voting systems, both touchscreen systems and paper ballot optical scan computers that are used pretty much everywhere in the country. They also are vulnerable to malicious actions via various types of Internet connectivity, infrared, Bluetooth, among other things, which is why I always call for publicly hand-counted and hand-marked paper ballots. Now, I know everyone likes to get worked up about Russia, particularly Democrats, since they've been so well demonized here for so long, but I cannot emphasize enough here that whatever you fear about Russia, you should also fear about any country or any U.S. citizen because our voting and uh, voter registration and voting tabulation systems are just that vulnerable to malicious ac uh, hackers or to inside election officials. That's why public oversight of things like voting, uh, like vote counting, even with paper ballots, is so important. Public oversight is the only answer here. Now, for their part, uh, the Kremlin dis denies uh, the information in this report. They deny reports of uh, hacking uh, voter registration software uh, and the claims from this intelligence report that Russian hackers attacked at least one U.S. So voting software supplier before last year's presidential election. A spokesman for President Vladimir Putin denied the allegations Tuesday, said the Kremlin did not see, quote, any evidence to prove this information is true. He said Moscow categorically denies the possibility of the Russian government being behind it. OK, fine. My point is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who was behind it if the information described in this report actually happened. And frankly, since we know it can happen, it does not even actually matter if it did happen. As described by this classified NSA report, apparently the plan was uh, was simple. This was a, a, a spear phishing type of attack. I'll explain what that is in, in a second uh, that really anyone could could pull off. So basically, they posed as an e-voting vendor and they tricked local governments into opening Microsoft Word documents that were tainted with malware malware that could give the hackers full control over the infected computers. And how did they do this? Uh, well, the, apparently, they, according to this report, they sent uh, emails, phishing emails, to uh, employees at VR Systems, this Florida-based vendor of electronic voting services and voter registration services, 
Uh, and basically, the, sp the spear phishing email contained a link directing the employees to a malicious Google website, a fake Google website that would request their login credentials and then hand them over to the hackers. Once they had that information, then they were able to create a, a Google account and log in as if they were VR systems and contact election officials all over the country. That's apparently what the hackers were able to do. And they got that access. Two months later, on October 27, they set up these operational Gmail accounts designed to appear as if they belonged to this uh, to an employee at VR Systems. The NSA assessed that uh, spear phishing emails were sent to 122 email addresses associated with named local government organizations, probably to officials involved in the management of voter registration systems. The emails contained these uh, Microsoft Word attachments, which once they were opened, um, they were purported to be part of the, uh, you know, related to the VR Systems uh, voter database product called EVID. Once they were opened, um, they were maliciously, they were embedded with this malware and they were triggered instantly and invisibly, the malware was, when the user opened the document. The secret report says the malware could have provided attackers with persistent access, persistent access to the computer. Now, mind you, we're at election officials' computer now, the same people who program the voting systems. Okay, we're now on their computers, and we now have complete access to those systems with these Word documents that have been weaponized. According to Jake Williams, who's founder of uh, computer security firm uh, Rendition Infosec, he's formerly an NSA, uh, part of the NSA's uh, own hacking team. Yes, they do this thing all around the world as well. Uh, he says, William says, if this type of attack were successful, the perpetrator uh, has all the same capabilities that the user does, that the actual election official does. Overall, he says the method is one of medium sophistication, one that practically any hacker can pull off, he says. So practically any hacker can get access to an election official's own computer, the computers on which they often program the ballots, the tabulation systems, etc., etc., for our elections. But hey, why should we bother to count paper ballots? We got computers that count them. The NSA, uh, should be noted, is uncertain about the results of this attack, according to the report. They say it is unknown whether the aforementioned spear phishing deployment successfully compromised the intended victims and what potential data could have been accessed by that cyber actor who pulled off this scam. Uh, the FBI uh, would not comment to The Intercept about whether they are pursuing a criminal investigation into the cyber attack on VR systems. But what we do know is that an investigation was being carried out against the leaker of this document to The Intercept. About an hour or so after The Intercept's report was released yesterday, a 25-year-old NSA contractor was announced to have been arrested and charged. Her name, uh, Reality Lee Winner. She's just 25 years old. She grew up in Texas. She speaks multiple languages. She's an Air Force veteran, and now she faces charges that could put her in prison for 10 years. She's now in jail awaiting prosecution on charges of mishandling classified uh, documents, 
Apparently, she made a copy of this uh, this uh, analysis by this one NSA person and sent it out to the Intercept. She was working in a Georgia office for this NSA contractor, Pluribus International. Um, and uh, at roughly the same time as the Intercept story broke, the Justice Department announced they had charged Winner with mishandling classified information. She was actually arrested on Saturday at her home in Augusta, Georgia. Oh, hello, Georgia. But the uh, the arrest, the case was not announced until Monday. She had just begun working with uh, this pluribus company in February. She was given top secret clearance, according to an affidavit from the Justice Department. Um, now, in addition to a reminder of how seriously the government takes leaks that they feel harm or embarrass them. Remember, classified information is leaked all the time by presidential administrations without penalty because it's stuff that they believe helps them. But this is also a reminder um, that even top security clearance individuals at top secret NSA facilities cannot necessarily be entrusted, especially when they believe they are doing the right thing. So listen, if I'm an election insider working at a clerk's office somewhere as a contractor or anything else, uh, if I have access to these voting machines, never mind the hacking. If I'm an election insider, I've got direct access to these systems. And listen, if I believe that Democrats kill babies with abortion or that Republicans kill everybody by taking away their health care or their Social Security, how difficult is it imagine, for, to imagine that, that to do the you know to do the right thing, I would change the results of an election? You know, stop some, stop the babies from being killed. I might tweak some election results in order to make sure that the certain uh, candidate uh, who is elected will be able to prevent those killings. When you entrust something as important as elections to security by obscurity, to security by secrecy, you're simply asking for problems, as I have been trying to warn uh, for so long about all of these systems and the systems that we use. Yeah, it's the idea that an insider with sufficient motivation would feel that the end justifies the means in order to create whatever outcome they feel. And Lord knows uh, the ends, you know, with millions and billions of dollars being spent on elections. Oh, not just on elections, but on bond votes. Exactly. On, you know, a certain person being on a city council on, so that they can uh, pass some kind of project that somebody power, will make money from. On control of our exactly. elections. Elections. By the way, that's Desi Doyen. I don't oh, know yes. if I've said hello to you today. <laughs> hello. I'm, I'm, I'm so here. worked up about this. <laughs> um, the NSA document goes on to describe uh, several other hacking operations that may have been in play here as well. Uh, Bruce Schneier, cybersecurity expert, says the problem is uh, the problem that we have is that voting security doesn't matter until something happens. And then after something happens, there's a group of people who don't want the security because whatever happened happened in their favor. That sounds familiar. Uh, he went on to say that makes it very hard, a very hard security problem, unlike your bank account. Your bank account, there's full transparency. Everyone, you can look at a transaction going back years. The bank can look at that tra transaction going back years. Not so with the secret ballot. Once you drop it in the box, essentially, it is gone. You're not able to go back and check it again. That's why we need oversight. That's why we need public oversight. That's why secret vote counting, secret vote casting and secret vote counting on computers 
is no good. Schneier also said that the uh, the attack that was described by the NSA in this document is pretty much standard hacking procedure. VR systems doesn't actually uh, doesn't sell actual voting machines used to cast a vote, but uh, the software and the devices that verify and catalog who's permitted to vote when they show up on Election Day for early voting. But vendors like VR are also particularly sensitive. Uh, Brennan, uh, Brennan Center's Larry Norden, who is also head on the show, uh, says that because local election offices are often unlikely to have many or even any IT staff, a vendor like VR will also provide most of the IT assistance, including the work related to programming and cybersecurity. Not the kind of people you want unwittingly compromised by anyone for any reason. These contractors so a contractor at a at a, an election vendor, do you think they're any more secure than a contractor with top secret clearance working for the NSA? Mark Graff, a digital security consultant and former chief cybersecurity officer at Lawrence Livermore National Labs, described uh, this sort of tactic as uh, potentially an effective denial of, of service attack. You can essentially game the voter registration system so that no one can vote at all on Election Day. And sure enough, uh, VR Systems advertises the fact that its EVID computer polling station equipment line is connected to the Internet and that on Election Day, quote, a voter's voting history is transmitted immediately to the county database on a continuous basis. A computer attack can, the intercept notes, thus spread quickly and invisibly through the networked components of a system like germs through a handshake. According to Alex Halderman, director of the University of Michigan Center for Computer Security, and uh, we've also had on this uh, show many times, he's an electronic voting expert. Uh, he says the scenario described by the NSA document is the likelihood that the officials setting up the electronic poll books are the same people uh, pre-programming the voting machines. That's one of the main concerns. These are the same people doing all of these things. So once they get compromised, the entire system is compromised. Holderman told The Intercept that usually at the county level, there's going to be some company that does the pre-election programming of the voting machines. I would worry about whether an attacker who could compromise the poll book vendor might be able to use software updates that the vendor distributes to also infect the election management system, the tabulators that program the voting machines themselves. Once you do that, he says you can cause the voting machine to create fraudulent counts. And, of course, the only way to know if there's fraudulent counts is if you count the paper ballots, which we do not do. All of this goes back uh, to Durham, North Carolina, where we started this. In fact, the problems that they had on Election Day when their voter registration systems, their electronic poll books went down for some reason. Those voting system, those voter registration systems made by VR systems. Now, um, in The Intercept goes on to add that uh, the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission, which is supposed to oversee all of this stuff, that we've reported on for years, the horribly compromised EAC. They note that uh, checking with the EAC has been less than confidence-inspiring. They say the commission created in 2002 as the congressional reaction to the vote-counting debacle all the way back in 2000. 
they are charged with serving as a national clearinghouse of information on election administration and problems of voting systems, but they note that it is a backwater commission with no real authority, and if you click on the link about certifying voting systems, it leads you to a dead page. Yes, that's how bad this is. Even the federal oversight uh, agency is completely out to lunch. And by the way, the Republicans have been voting in Congress to do away with the EAC entirely. I was contacted by a I know we got to get to my guest here. I was contacted by a former e-voting company insider, industry insider um, after this story broke at The Intercept. Uh, and uh, this person is quite concerned about what they uh, about what they saw, but uh, they note that any successful hack of systems that the uh, VR systems company makes would necessarily give the hackers access points to the actual election machines and systems of the companies working with them. Remember, this is a former the person who used to work at a voting machine company. The person went on to say there are several potential stories here, but one might simply be the fact that the government was warned about this problem by you more than once and many years ago. And they did nothing. Democrats, Republicans and those useless and incompetent political appointments on the Federal Elections Assistance Commission. Or at least somebody noticed. Yeah, well, somebody's noticed went on to say that they have literally done nothing to address the threat and continue to comment only to complain rather than talking about even trying to fix the issues created by our private voting system. So that former industry insider, uh, you know, goes on to uh, cite other concerns we've talked about for so many years, uh, the private ownership of these uh, companies. Uh, remember the brief freakout that occurred before uh, the 2012 election when there was concerns that Mitt Romney's son had purchased a ownership in a voting machine company. Uh, before this last election, Republicans were concerned that George Soros owned a voting machine company. So here's the bottom line. Uh, you know, it's not just private partisan ownership or international ownership It's not the proprietary software. It's not the fact that even American voting systems companies purchase their parts from overseas, from suppliers overseas that could do anything. It's it's the fact it's not the age of these machines. It's not Russia. You know, you can demonize them all you like. You can demonize any country, China, Iran. If you focus only on the private ownership of the companies, if you focus only on uh, your your worst enemy uh, country having access, you are missing the point. If you are focusing only on one company, VR systems here, you are missing the point. This is a huge problem. The access to these machines can be uh, carried out by anyone at any time. And the only way we will know if our systems, if our elections are accurate is if we have hand-marked, hand-counted paper ballots. That's the only way to know if we want to know who won or lost an election. Otherwise, here we are, all of these uh, months later, wondering about the last election. Computer security expert Bruce Schneier is quoted again in The Intercept, saying elections do two things. One, choose the winner, and two, they convince the loser. To the extent the elections are vulnerable to hacking, we risk the legitimacy of the voting process, even if there is no actual hacking at the time. 
And that's the point. Even if our elections are not hacked, we need to know if they were or they weren't. And all of this is why we've been covering election integrity so closely for so many years. I'm glad the rest of the world seems to now be noticing. And all of this is why we call for paper ballots instead of 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems, which are once again going to be used in Georgia in the special U.S. House election coming up in about two weeks. An election that has already been started, by the way, with early voting and has already been hacked. The story of the lawsuit now filed to demand paper ballots rather than 100% unverifiable touchscreen votes in Georgia for that special election that story and the woman who is filing that lawsuit is next. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. It's calming me down already. Thank you. Georgia. I need it. <laughs> Georgia. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. <laughs> Trying to remain calm. Yeah, go ahead, play him a little. That'll help me relax. Indeed, Georgia is on my mind, and it's on the mind of a lot of folks across the country right now. So, okay, keeping everything uh, that we just railed about in mind, uh, coming from the information concerning hacks at the voter registration system, companies detailed in that intercept uh, exclusive based on leaked NSA documents, Highlighting the vulnerability of our voting and tabulation and voter registration systems. Well, with all of that in mind, guess what? We're about to hold another U.S. House special election, and we're going to do it on 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting system uh, systems in Georgia's 6th District. Now, uh, the contest to fill the seat vacated by Donald Trump's Secretary of Health and Human Services, Tom Price, has already broken all spending records for a single U.S. House race as both Republicans and Democrats view this contest as a bellwether for next year's 2018 midterm elections and as a, a, a referendum of sorts uh, on the presidency of Donald Trump. Congressman Price reportedly won the seat last November by more than 20 points before he was uh, appointed to, uh, to to the Trump administration. But the congressional district in the Atlanta suburbs where Price was running went to Donald Trump, but just over uh, by over one single percentage point. So the seat is seen as very vulnerable 
and the contest pitting first-time Democratic candidate John Ossoff against former Georgia Secretary of State Karen Handel is believed to be very, very tight, according to recent polling. With the Democratic uh, candidate Ossoff reported to have a slight lead over the Republicans' establishment candidate. And that's important because this uh, this district, the 6th District in Georgia, has been in Republican hands now for actually decades at this point. Tens of millions of dollars are pouring into the race, both from the grassroots and the national parties and the so-called outside organizations on both sides of this race. Other than those uh, voters who have been smart enough to cast absentee paper ballots, however, voters at the polling places on Election Day, as well as those who vote at early voting locations, will be forced to vote on 100 percent unverifiable Diebold touchscreen voting systems that the state installed back in 2002 and still shamefully to this day, despite the fact those systems have been hacked over and over again, the state still forces voters to use those uh, forces voters to use those all across the state of Georgia. Now, the early voting numbers so far in the 6th District race have been huge. I believe they've been higher than last year's general election uh, numbers at this time. Yet, despite all of the money that's being poured into this incredibly tight race and all of the attention it's receiving, the results reported on election night, June 20, will ultimately, most likely, even if there are questions about the results, those results will have to be the final results since the majority of ballots will be cast on those 100% unverifiable systems. Now, allow me to add that we have been covering this contest ourselves here on the broadcast for some time. One of the reasons is that the group that is actually contracted to program all of Georgia's electronic voting and tabulation uh, uh, systems and their voter registration systems the, is called the Center for Elections at Kennesaw State University. That group was itself hacked. In early March, a massive data breach was reported there, which the FBI investigated and reportedly found that the voter database that was at Kennesaw State University had been breached. Now, if this sounds familiar to our story in the previous segment on that newly leaked NSA analysis, that is no accident. That is exactly the same problem, the exact same concern. Despite calls for the Republican Secretary of State, Brian Kemp, to allow voters to use paper ballots during the April primary election for this seat, the Secretary of State has not even responded to the world-class computer security and voting machine experts that requested the use of those paper ballots for the April primary. Um, now, we had uh, one of those experts, by the way, Barbara Simons, on this show to talk about it at the time. You can find that interview at bradblog.com. And... Speaking of that primary on April 18th, on the weekend prior to that uh, Tuesday election, four electronic poll books in the 6th District were reportedly stolen <clears throat> from a poll worker's pickup truck in Fulton County. And to make matters still worse, on the night of the race, the electronic central tabulator in Fulton County failed for several hours, and all counting was stopped as Democrat John Ossoff's totals hovered just above the 50% mark, the amount that he would have needed to avoid a runoff and to win the race outright on that uh, initial primary night. When the tabulator was finally fixed, 
I should say, corrected. Uh, His total had dropped to just below 50 percent. And eventually he and Handel were set uh, to be uh, to run in this upcoming runoff on June 20. The cause for that tabulator failure, by the way, that electronic uh, computer system that counts all the votes uh, cast in the county, was uh, the cause for that was detailed by an investigation carried out not by the state, but by VoterGA.org, a nonprofit election integrity group. And their founder, Garland Favorito, was also on this show a few weeks ago to explain what the group believes actually happened on election night. You can find the answer to that mystery at bradblog.com as well. Nonetheless, with all of those problems, the June 20 runoff will still be run on those same hacked, failed, easily manipulated, 100% unverifiable voting systems. Unless... Unless a court orders otherwise, and a lawsuit has now been filed seeking exactly that. Joining us now to discuss her lawsuit in advance of a a court hearing on this on Wednesday is Marilyn Marks. She is an expert advocate promoting free and fair elections as the executive director of the Rocky Mountain Foundation, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization committed to fair elections and government transparency. In 2009, after a narrow loss in her bid as a Republican to become the mayor of Aspen, Marilyn recognized the vulnerabilities in Colorado's election systems and went on to devote uh, her time full-time for the next six years to election integrity litigation and lobbying efforts to make Colorado's elections more transparent and verifiable. She successfully litigated the effort to make Colorado ballots open public records so that, yes, the public could look at those ballots and make sure races were uh, results were accurate. And uh, she also followed uh, she filed uh, more than a dozen election related lawsuits. She recently returned to her hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina, where she is beginning to focus her efforts on election fairness in the Southeast. First stop, apparently, Georgia. Marilyn Marks, welcome to the broadcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brad. It's nice to be with you. Uh, great to hey, have I wanna, you. Yeah. yeah, I want to object to your music. Okay, why is that? I, I, I think you got the I got I think you got the wrong song. I think for this one, it was <laughs> the devil came down to Georgia. Oh no, you're <laughs> right. Way, Good point. In the way of these voting machines. <laughs> exactly. No, they really have. Uh, and other than the music, uh, I, I know that you're you're very busy <laughs> prepping for your court hearing. So I'm I'm very grateful for your your time to give us a few minutes here, Marilyn. Uh, did I get any other than music did I get anything wrong in that intro or uh, do any of those points need further details as you see it before we get into your actual legal complaint here um, you know I think I would only add and you got you got the background just right but um, there were so many things that have happened since March the 1st mm-hmm. the breach of security at Kennesaw State the mm-hmm. people who keep the, uh, do all of the programming and everything for the ballots we had the breach um, of security there we had problems with the fact that poll books were stolen, electronic poll books mm-hmm. were stolen on April the 15th. That's a very dangerous situation because those poll books had um, computer code in them that could be used to then um, activate voter access cards and create help create fraudulent voter access cards. We've had then, as you know, um, the upload problem that you mentioned already. Um, there were oh, all, that was, there was the uploading 
uploading the results uh, on election uh, night the for the primary. April, yeah, uh, the, the election night. Exactly. And the system exactly. failed. Yeah. And one thing that hasn't gotten uh, reported is that there were um, polling place problems with the uh, voter registration files where voters were being sent to the wrong locations. They would get to the next location um, to where they were sent and then be told, oh, you're still in the wrong location. So there have been uh, lots of computer problems that the Secretary of State just kind of brushes away and says, oh, just a small glitch. Nothing to worry about, yeah. (laughs) Nothing to worry about. But as you've pointed out, these systems, when you say are unverifiable, Mm -hmm. what people need to understand by that, of course, is that there is no way to assure that the voter's intent is recorded. We know what the machines want to report, Mm -hmm. but there is no way to know what the voter intended to vote, just when we do know that with the evidence of a paper ballot. So that is what we are telling the court, mm-hmm. that this system has gone through so many problems. It was unverifiable to begin with. Mm-hmm. And now we have seen the instances of several problems just in the last 60 days that tell us that there is no way that the Secretary of State and the county election officials should assume that the system is safe to vote on. They must presume that the system is unsafe. And, well, that's... uh, I want to get more into that uh, unverifiable point in a second, Uh, but, uh, Marilyn, what exactly... We are now in early voting is already underway. The election is about two weeks away, so what exactly are you asking uh, the court for in your complaint at this late date? Right. It is um, late when we were able to get this into the court, by the way, we um, we filed before early voting began, but this is the first time that the court was able to give us a hearing on this. But uh, what our request is, is a simple one, and that is let the voters vote on paper ballots. Paper ballots um, are already required in the law, and any time that the machines um, are uh, determined to be problematic for any reason. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's um, lightning strikes them, a fire, lack of power, the law says, oh, you just go to paper ballots. So this is something that's already provided in the law. If we think about what, what would happen if this afternoon it was discovered that there, in fact, had been malware implanted in the Georgia system, mm-hmm. and it became obvious, what would they do? And, and, and by the way, Marilyn, we, we, we should say that we haven't discovered that, but we haven't discovered it's not there either because the public and, is not yeah, allowed exactly to see those systems. Right, right, All right. 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 And, and quite frankly, even if, um, even if the professionals were given the opportunity to examine it at mm-hmm. this point, it would take far too long to determine you know, just how extensive the damage was right. when the system was infiltrated. So, um, you know, the only practical answer is to go to paper ballots, hand count them. It would be very easy to do. We've had a professional estimate how long it would take, less than an hour per precinct. Sure, because there's, there's only um, one so, race on uh, most of the ballots. It's one single race. You basically put the two the, the paper ballots into two separate stacks, and you're done. Right. You've counted them, yeah. Right, exactly. And so it would be, it would actually be faster, cheaper, more efficient, and far more transparent to vote on paper ballots in this simple election than it is to use the machines, even if we trusted the machines. But so it's a very simple solution, an elegant one, um, that we are asking the court to impose. 
and, um, you know, it really should not be much of a debate. It shouldn't, but it is. It continues to be. It's They've going been, to be. Yeah, I mean, they have been using these systems in Georgia since 2002. There have been other lawsuits filed, I, I think, uh, making similar arguments to yours. Correct. And yet the courts uh, continue to allow these uh, the, the, the state to use them. Marilyn Marks, let me ask you, as a Republican, uh, it, it catches my ears that you say you are concerned about these unverifiable votes. Hey, that has been uh, uh, the concern of many Democrats over the years when it comes to these Diebold touchscreen systems. And, you know, I myself have been called a conspiracy theorist for pointing <laughs> these issues out. Uh, you're a Republican saying these things. You really don't think there's any way to uh, verify the voter intent on these systems? Well, cer- well, certainly not. But it has absolutely nothing to do with with politics. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, you talk to any um, computer scientist, mm-hmm. regardless of what party they are. You talk to any voting systems expert. I don't think you will find a single uh, expert, a single computer scientist, who would say that these machines even approach the point of being safe to vote on? Um, find me one of any of any denomination, um, and um, because they will be in the minority. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with their politics. Uh, you know, exactly. um, yeah. we should be, um, uh, you know, given that NSA report, um, yep. that we should be thinking about what as Americans we want. Do we want a fair, transparent election? Or, you know, do we want to leave it to um, nation states that Mm -hmm. don't have our best interest in mind to be able to enter our system and uh, elect the person they want? And not just nation states, of course, but it could be anyone in the U.S. or anyone else acting alone. And as I always warn, uh, election officials themselves have the Absolutely. easiest and most direct access to these systems. Uh, Marilyn, what has, speaking of election officials, what have uh, what has the response been to your lawsuit from uh, Secretary of State uh, Brian Kemp, who, I will add, is a Republican? Well, um, he has um, he filed a brief and, of course, trying to... Um, uh, we in fact we've heard from all of the all of the various uh, parties that are defend- mm-hmm. defendants here, all of them trying to get um, in some form or another the case dismissed. Um, there they are coming coming at this uh, with great vengeance and um, not wanting to turn over any documents and subpoenas. They're fighting the subpoenas. They're fighting the case. They clearly do not want to go into court to defend their indefensible systems. What? So we're just getting loaded up with um, with motions this afternoon. What are the documents that they are refusing to hand over? Does this regard the uh, data breach at Kennesaw uh, State you University? Know, um, uh, I am going to have to. The, the problem is I haven't gotten all the way through them to mm-hmm. begin to tell you. But, but in, in Fulton County, they are um, objecting to producing the documents that related to the upload errors that we had on election night on on April the 18th. Mm -hmm. Yes, they do not want to produce the errors uh, or the the records of those errors or how those votes were actually recorded initially on the machines. Mm. Um, They're they're saying it would take too long, cost too much money, you know. And so um, we, 
we haven't even been able, or I haven't even been able to get through all of the objections that have just come in in the last little while. Um, but um, we'll we'll fight them because this is way too important. And uh, just to uh, make that point, to underscore your point there, Marilyn, this we you've referred to it a couple of times. These upload errors. This happened on election night. Uh, as unverifiable yes. as these voting systems are, they it gets even worse because they take the memory cards out of the machines that have the results supposedly from that day's voting, and in Georgia. They stick them into another machine and then they transfer them across phone lines or the Internet uh, to, 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 to the central tabulator exactly. where they can be exactly. manipulated again. It's just amazing. So, right. uh, Marilyn, we've got just a minute or two left. But uh, is there time enough if your case, your lawsuit here is successful in Georgia? Would there be time enough to print paper ballots uh, for oh, all the voters in, in the 6th District? Uh, well, haven't you? You know, because um, ballot printers are able to turn around hundreds of thousands of ballots overnight, particularly this time of year when they have no other work to do. Mm. But not only that, but of course, the, all of the county officials already have lots of paper ballots. They're already in the precincts. They're used for absentee balloting. They are used for provisional votes. So they've already got a stock of paper ballots. And within, uh, you know, 8, 12, 10, you know, 10 hours, though they can have um, scores of thousands more ballots. That's not a practical problem. In in lieu of uh, getting rid of the touchscreen systems altogether before the June 20 race, uh, will you be asking the court at least uh, to make paper ballots available for those who might want to, who might prefer to vote on those at election de- at the polls on election well, day. Well, of course, that's already that's already available by law. At least they're absentee ballots. Um, and um, you know we we have not asked for the relief of having an option of paper ballots for those who wish, mm-hmm. um, because we don't want to see anyone having the option to vote on a machine mm-hmm. that's not secure. And um, you know those machines can uh, every vote that's placed on them can um, counteract and take away a legitimate vote. And so we don't want to encourage anyone. We don't want anybody to be allowed to say, oh, no, I want to vote on this machine that is not reliable. Do you share, uh, Marilyn, the uh, uh, voter GA and, and its founder, Carlin, uh, Garland Favorito, uh, has called for people to vote in the 6th District by absentee paper ballot, if possible, and to drop it off at the county headquarters Instead of waiting uh, to, to instead of using the the, the touchscreen systems on election day or even in early voting, do you well, share his uh, that, advocacy? With the status quo of where we are today, yes. What I would prefer they do is wait and let's see where the court comes out, and hopefully the court will be telling everybody to um, to vote paper ballots um, on election day and uh, in early voting as well. So in the event that um, the court is not persuaded, then, mm-hmm. yeah, I would agree with, uh, with, Garland's, um, with Garland's suggestion. However, we think that the case is compelling and the court will be persuaded. Uh, before I let you go, Marilyn, I have long argued on this show, of course, and at bradblog.com, that whether these machines, the types they're going to use in, in Georgia coming up here, whether they are hacked or manipulated or they simply fail, as they often do, Uh, It doesn't actually matter because even if they work perfectly, the problem with these systems, even if they count every vote accurately, 
is that we, the people, we, the voters, can't know that they actually worked perfectly. And that alone is a I, I see as a grave threat to our electoral democracy, as I believe we're seeing now in the wake of the presidential elections and all of the, uh, the questions we're having so many months later. Uh, do, do you concur with that uh, particular assessment? Well, well, of course. I think you, you can boil it down to saying it is not a transparent election. And we must have in this country, and it's, it's always been part of our style of democracy, to have transparent elections where the public can oversee the counting of the ballots. And in Georgia and in the few other places that these paperless machines are used, you know, there is no oversight. No one, not the election official, not the public, not the campaign, not the candidate, no one can figure out whether or not the ballots were counted right. That should be a much more chilling uh, uh, comment than I think a lot of people hear it as uh, evidenced by how long you, Marilyn Marks, uh, and me have been trying to get that message right. out to folks. Uh, let us uh, please stay in touch, Marilyn. Uh, good luck we'll in do court. It. We'll uh, report back tomorrow please night. Please do. Yeah, would really want to uh, hear how this goes. Uh, you can, uh, folks, can follow uh, what your efforts, uh, your efforts at Rocky Mountain Foundation on Facebook, and they can. Follow Follow you on Twitter at Marilyn R. Marks, the number one. Marilyn R. Marks one. Did, uh, anywhere else we need to send people here uh, today, Mar Marilyn? I think that I think that that should do it for now. All right. Good luck in court, okay, and so we hope much. to we talk to you soon. Your support. You bet. Sounds great. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, ridiculously late, so a quick break, and back with uh, just a closing thought. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. <laughs> Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Yes, that's how late we are. We have to start this segment with the <laughs> closing theme. Yep. Uh, that's what happens when you get me going after about 15 years when people finally start to notice what the hell we've been talking about, why I've been driving everyone crazy all of this time. Yes, elections matter. Yes, being able to oversee our elections matter. So we're not stuck months later, months and years later, worrying about whether the results were actually accurate. And that's where we are here once again, no matter how much I try to warn. Uh, maybe we'll take some calls on this tomorrow. I'll try to open up the phones on tomorrow's broadcast. Until then, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest today, Marilyn Marks of the Rocky Mountain Foundation, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is greatly appreciated. Uh, if you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download it at bradblog.com. We'll thank you in advance for stopping by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to do this. Hopefully not for another 15 years, but we will if we have to. Bradblog.com slash donate. You can uh, also drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. Please follow us and share us far and wide. All right. 
That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.